Hey all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm joined by Jonathan. Hey, hey y'all. Today's going to be a very special episode. We are just discussing Dune, the new movie, and how it relates to the book. Uh, Jonathan, what did you think of the book? I really liked the book. Um, it was, it, it, it was kind of hard to follow along with it in the beginning, getting to know the names, uh, the characters, and stuff like that. But they, they really did a good job with deep character development and story building, and just making this rich world that you want to be a part of. I agree. Yeah, I would say that the strongest point is its inner dialogue. I've, I've mentioned that in the past. Um, hearing like the the thought process when you have somebody who is able to partially see the future and somebody who knows mm -hmm. they can manipulate others the thought process is excellent especially when you can hear the two almost almost having a second conversation within their minds and mm -hmm. try to always play chess with each other basically it's really interesting <laughs> um okay when we talk about the movie we have to think of it as both a movie on its own and a movie uh with the knowledge of the book in, in mind so mm -hmm. a movie on its own what are your thoughts on the movie if I was sitting there watching that movie without knowing anything from the book, I don't think I would have liked the story at all. I okay. think it would have been a lot of eye candy. Yeah. Uh, like you could see they invested a ton of money into visual effects and making everything so grandiose and huge, which is great for the scale of the world and the, you know, how, how big this, this world is and how they describe it in the book. But for watching, you know, watching this book converted into a movie there's so much depth in a, in the story that's just completely lost just completely wasted so much so that i think it takes away if you didn't know anything about the book i don't think it would be a complete story you can truly follow and understand yeah uh what going in we found out that it's a part one like maybe a week beforehand mm -hmm. and that okay so we sat in a room you and i have re have reading the books and then two guys daniel and squeaks who had not read the books and the reaction when it was like roll credits done was very apparent. They were like, what the hell? What is this? They were very upset. I feel uh, bad for those guys because the whole we didn't stop talking the whole movie. We're I like, know. oh, well, this is supposed to mean this. And those are supposed to be, well, why didn't they show? Well, and just trying to explain everything. And I think it still must have helped them to some extent because they wouldn't oh, have known. they mentioned that a few times, yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't have known anything, any value of anything in the movie. Yeah, there were times like Squeeze is like, I, how was I supposed to know that if you guys weren't sitting here explaining that like, oh, by the way, these guys, you know, whatever, because one of the big points they brought up and I think it's so important in this in the movie, they didn't emphasize how important water is nearly as much as in the book. Oh. It is more important than life. So yeah. they didn't they didn't even touch on it. Not at all. The spit on the table was even barely referenced. And I think that was the most of their, you know, valuing water in the whole book or the whole and, uh, movie. And it was so cool. There's so many times where there's something that happened that we had randomly said to each other like quotes from the book as we're going through the book because you know people who listeners of the podcast know that we've been going through the book over the last month and a half um and so we'd be like you know oh they you 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 leave water behind for the dead like it's just such a cool <laughs> quote and not mentioned once in the it's like oh no what you're not even yeah. mentioned in the movie now so. that may be that may come later i'm not sure if, if after the what scene we saw maybe they do james's like burial uh at the beginning of the next movie maybe maybe it's there yeah but I don't know. They fast track over so much stuff because yeah, they got to condense it down. Yeah. But so that might be something they leave out completely. All right. So what are your reactions to the movie as a book reader then? Oh, I, I, I didn't like it. I oh, am wow. so super disappointed because so as a book reader, there's so much that I know that I know other people aren't understanding and aren't getting. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, the, um, the inner dialogue is, is completely missing. And that is a huge factor in the book to me, the way the Benny Jesuit training is portrayed between Jessica and Paul and how it puts them, you know, a class or two above everybody else, uh, mentally, you know, uh, intellectually, right. That they walk in a room, they could analyze, you know, the smell in the air and what other people are thinking that dinner party. And the, you know, when the house of Trades first arrives, I was like, that's such an awesome scene to kind of establish who, everybody is and build your characters a little bit you learn you know people's abilities and their mindsets and the power struggle the politics and we don't get any of that you don't even they don't even touch on the politics we don't even understand you know how does the emperor play into the atreides and the harkonnens and we it, there's nothing it's just it's just a hollow very pretty you know image but no story to it it was filmed for imax so you could feel that you could totally feel that it was filmed for imax 
And they said that because there's so many great landscape shots that were like, yeah, if I was in an IMAX theater right now, like the uh, scene where they have to try to save it with the carriers picking up the drilling machine, um, mm -hmm. like that on IMAX would have been, oh, beautiful. And I will be probably watching this on IMAX again uh, just to try to experience that. But yeah, I, I liked it as a book reader myself. Mm -hmm. But it, the book was so required uh, to really appreciate. Like, there was one part where I looked to you like, hey, did you see how um, Kynes looked over at Le Leto at that moment? Like, you and I know how important that look is. That's Kynes basically changing mm -hmm. sides. And in the movie, it's just a simple look over and then look back. And that's after Leto basically put the, the human life before the yeah. spice in that one moment. And it's just, it's so important to Kynes' relationship to the, the, the Atreides family. And yet we're at like, yeah. just a look. <laughs> right? And he's, he's thinking like, oh, okay, so maybe these aren't quite like the Harkonnens. Maybe this is a different kind of human or something like that. And yeah, it, it means yeah. a lot in the story and the fact, because Kynes, we find out, is a huge, you know, uh, representative or something, you know, for the Fremen. So he's, he's important. He's there. He's yeah. led them into this future of, you know, of uh, repairing or rebuilding their planet. Yeah. And yeah, so he's, he's valuable. and. To see him turn sides like that, like we just don't, we don't get any depth out of that part of the story, and it's really sad. Kynes is such a great character. They they did mm -hmm. uh, so. Kynes in the in the book is is an old man, mm -hmm. and this one is kind of a more younger woman, mm -hmm. um, who we think will be Cheney's mom, I think, or at least sister. What do you think? They'll probably go mom or sister. I think they would go mom. That would just make sense because Kynes was her dad in the book. In the book, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so that whole thing was not touched on. So it's really hard to imagine that they're going to bring that up in the second movie when mm -hmm. Kynes is already. Whoop! Spoiler alert. Make sure everybody understands the spoiler alert. <laughs> yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. All right. And because Kynes is dead in the movie now. So, yeah. you know, you're like, well, yeah, how are you going to reference that? Why would that be important in the second movie? People are going to be like, oh, yeah, that character that's already dead in the last one. Yeah. You know? And because Kynes, I mean, again, spoiler, the, the, how Kynes mapped out the future of what it's going to take for the Fremen to, uh, what I can't know the right words for it, but get a, the... Terraform the planet. Terraform, there, that's the word. Get their w water circulating into plants and let plants grow, and then, yeah, it starts a whole cycle of bringing the water out of the, the core of the planet, but, yeah, so... The fact that he did that and he, he showed them pretty much a roadmap of hope to a future where they can live with water on their planet and yeah. scoop it from a river kind of thing. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like laid down this foundation for them and, and given their whole people hope. But, uh, so, yeah, he's a very, very important character. And then, again, this, it just kind of didn't, didn't develop the character enough. If we didn't know that, you know, everyone else like, yeah, who, who was that chick? Like, yeah, she, she died toward the end. Cool. Like. What's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, and and we we actually saw one of their you know the, like the planetologist library but or um laboratory, but yeah, it's really important to understand that the Fremen are while everybody else is like worried about the spice and stuff like that, the Fremen are in a multi generational plan to terraform this desert planet into a lush garden mm -hmm. that was set forth by forth by Kynes' vision, mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, we'll impl implement it, and now they're slowly like. Finding ways to, you know, circulate air or water out of the air and all these amazing things. And it's just not shown. Like, we know that it's purpose. They purposely make it to where the fairmen look like they're just like living on the desert. Like, they're not mm -hmm. that big of a deal. Yeah. But there's so much more to them. And they do mention that in the movie, but it's really in passing. And there's so many things that are that way in the movie. Yeah. But you have to understand, like, the fremen are far more developed than you think because mm -hmm. they're like scientists. They're surviving in a harsh land they're like klingon scientists you yeah. know it's they're a lot more important than you think and the, and the movie didn't really show that yet and yeah like like you say yet i think they're waiting for the drop i think that in in this version of it you know they they put the divide right there for the to split the two movies so i think they want us to see what the early book what the atreides see the fremen as and the harkonnen do and then yeah. once they're with them they'll fully do that shift because in the book we did see we did see that the Fremen were more than we thought they were mm -hmm. and, and early, this early on and that they have, you know, we got to see a little bit behind the curtain, but we didn't know much until uh, Paul and Jessica joined them and, you know, then they, they everything is exposed and we realize they're, they're so well developed, but yeah, it was kind of slow going in the beginning. We had to assume that they were just wildlings pretty much or 
Well, it's, yeah. Survivor, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, that one's Ned Stark, you know, <laughs> going on in this. Yeah. While we're sitting there with the two guys that hadn't watched the movie or read the books, we're sitting there like, well, think of this one like Jon Snow. I think of this one like, it's basically Lannisters versus Starks right now, and there's a lot of that going on. Uh, all right, let's go step by step over some of the uh, effects and stuff like that. So visually, what were some of the like most eye-popping visuals that you saw in this film? For me, the massive ships uh, coming, you know, yeah. coming and going was really cool. Their their armor was nice. I like the the space, like the regal space dresses that the women came out with in the beginning. That was pretty cool. Um, but I think the ships, as they moved, they the, it was the audio engineering and stuff too that made it seem so, you know, massive and daunting, and like it made an echo in the air as it as it took up its space and stuff like that. Um, and then and the ships again when they were in that battle and they were being destroyed, and you know, it's like the weight of the ship once it's not holding its own structure, that collapsing is like a building coming down, really. So that was kind of cool visuals. Um, but I think that was that was the highlight to me and. The, the the um create the what is it, creator maker uh the giant worm when that came up they yeah. did a they did a pretty darn good job uh with the worm i like the scaling of it was what i had imagined from the book yeah the term maker isn't even in the movie at all yet that's, oh, that's definitely part two that's definitely part two <laughs> so i know because we reference them as makers but i mean that they're so desert worms right now still <laughs> yeah um they don't even know what they make yet uh so <laughs> Um, yeah, the scales of the ship was really done well, and in the book, it's only mentioned basically once how big these ships are, mm -hmm. when Leto's trying to explain to Paul that, like, yeah, our ships will sit into a small corner of their ships while they travel from point, to point A to point B, because it's the guild that basically has space travel on lock, and they kind of revealed a secret where they said, like, their pilots use the spice to navigate space. Like, that part's not known to most people. That's actually kind of a secret on how they know how to do that, mm -hmm. and will be very important in part two. <laughs> So, yeah, so they did a really good job of introducing that. It kind of felt like an 80s sci-fi movie with how big those ships were. Like, mm -hmm. if you remember, like, Star Wars, that first scene where you got the, the ship coming over the top, and it was just like, oh, my God, it just keeps going. It kind of felt, brought that back. I really liked that. Yeah, or uh, for people who haven't seen I mean, everybody watched this has probably seen Star Wars, but uh, yeah. it also reminds me, and you described that as, like, the movie Independence Day, when the yes. ship's coming over and you hear the, you know, satellite echoing sounds and stuff like that, and it's just... It just keeps going and it covers the whole city and, you know, or, you know, the state and it's just giant yep. ships. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Even during the the first attack, Gurney comes out and he just like looks up and he sees a ship, but it looks like a moon. Yeah. But it's just a ship and he sees like little ships coming out of the moon, basically. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Visuals are really great. The other ships that, of course, we have to note because you and I kind of expected it, but Daniel and Squeeze gave you the mind blown a bunch. The was a little uh, thopters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I know they described those in the book pretty well too. But in my mind, I kept thinking, I kept imagining the uh, quadcopter, you know, planes that they have on um, Avatar uh, that yeah. they fly on on Pandora. And but it, it was very similar, except these are more like a dragonfly. And mm -hmm. and but they do a really good job with it. It was pretty cool to see how they maneuver. Like they explained before, they tuck back the wings so they could do it like a nosedive. Uh, and then they, you know, pull them back out and then they stabilize and have control. Uh, yeah, they did really good with those, I think. Especially when, um, when Leto was going to go like, we have to save the people on that. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, he tucks them back. And you're like, oh man, that would be so cool. <laughs> like, that was just such a cool effect. Shows up like Leto's like, we're going to do this. We're going to save those people. Yeah. Um, and really showed his character, which is pretty dope. Um, yeah. The panning shots of the desert were gorgeous. The cinematography for this film was, it has to be a strong point, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just because visually this thing is gorgeous mm -hmm. even i was like how are you going to show that desert city that's such a boring city mm -hmm. they did a good job of showing it like kind of like yeah that looks like a city that would survive out there mm -hmm. so they kind of you know and they made sure to show like these like temples and stuff like that and it, it looks like the, quite it looks like the city is is only half above ground the way they show it because it's yeah. so shallow so it looks like they really kind of dug into the sand to build you know where it stays kind of cool which is yeah. kind of cool and i yeah, which I'm sure they did. You know, I just we just don't see it. Um, they didn't show her garden. There's a mm -hmm. garden that's inside that palace that wasn't shown. Yeah, um, that would have probably been pretty expensive though. And they already, I mean, they dumped a bunch of money into the the visuals on this, so yeah. you get it. But that would have been cool. The yeah, flex, really. Yeah, legendary. The studio behind this really took a chance on Dune because Dune is infamously the book that can't be translated. Mm -hmm. It's they've tried it before in multiple iterations. And every time people think it's a flop, and of course there's people who think this one's a flop too, but um, because it's so much about the inner dialogue, it 
can't be brought to the films, right? So let's go to that next. How do you think the abilities were shown off in this film? Do you think they did an okay job? Not at all. I was yeah. so disappointed. I mean, because it's, it's only Jessica and Paul, right, that we know at this point have any abilities. Right. And it's it's the Benny Jesuit training and they're, you know, they use the voice and we see that a few different times. But the way they use the voice is supposed to be like you speak with such, you know, noble vigor that that I feel compelled to follow you and do what you say. So it's it's supposed yep. to be like a a siren song kind of thing that that controls exactly. you. Yeah, because your your words are so proper and beautiful and you know, I just am compelled to follow you. But they twisted this and I think they embraced the the term Benny Jesser at witch is what they went with. And right. they tried to make it sound more like a snarling golem kind of, you know, words that will just kind of trick and bend your mind forcefully instead of forcefully is important yeah yeah and so it just didn't it was a little too creechy you know uh magical uh, i think it might be yeah, i think they were like dark. lean on it being magic when it's more supposed to be like you train in politics so well yeah that you know so for example i know this is kind of a bad example but i took you know i took public speaking a lot of you guys did and we had to study how hitler talked because <laughs> hitler actually was a very good public speaker he was mm -hmm. bad at everything else yeah but when you see him speak, he's pounding, he's aggressive, and he's, you know, the way he's talking, he got people to do a lot of bad stuff. That's kind of what the Bene Gesserit's, by the way, they're also in the eugenics, there's a lot of ties between them <laughs> and Hitler. Um, but that's the idea, is like, they teach you like, no, you, okay, now speak this way with a little bit more vigor. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they made it seem like the only thing that speech is good for is commanding people to do something. Yeah. When actually, it's more about like, okay, in this moment, you need to sound humble. This mm -hmm. moment, you need to sound like inspirational like you're able to really feel like the, the hear the right tone and, and 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 pitch it out and stuff like that in a way that convinces people not necessarily forces them yeah so it's like it's not magical it's just a really great politician yeah. yeah like if you need somebody to focus you know when you're talking behind them speak more like this rather than if you're you know talk like this you're going to give them anxiety or something like that like you can control how people feel around you based on how you speak yeah, and, and later on when he's like he's like giving speeches in front of the Fremen, mm -hmm. um, it's important that he isn't forcing the Fremen to listen to him, but he's actually like he's actually like making himself out to look like their messiah in a way that that is inspirational. And how are they gonna show that next in the next movie? I can't imagine how they're gonna do that. Yeah. If they if they let him use his voice in that, then it's gonna sound like, well, then he forced an army to follow him. Yeah. That's not what happened. You know? Yeah, they, I think really they just hard. didn't they didn't cue that up very well. Yeah. And then, of course, his main ability really is the ability to see the future and alternative paths and stuff like that. How do you think they did with that one? I, another one that the visuals were great, uh, but I don't think they they really made sense of what we saw in the book or what we read in the book. You don't, you, I didn't understand from what I saw in the movie that we're seeing multiple different variations of different potential timelines. I don't think they they explained that at all, and we don't. It's mostly just seeing uh, MJ, seeing Chaney. We don't. <laughs> MJ. We, I, I forget her name. Yeah. Uh, but we don't understand. There's no pretext of him maybe talking to his mom about his visions or something like that that really yeah. give you a firm understanding of what's going on. It's important to understand that he sees multiple futures. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I explained it to Squeaks was he has that Doctor Strange ability where Doctor Strange is like, hey, there's only one way for us to beat Thanos, mm -hmm. whom also is in this film. Um, and you have to choose the right direction. They didn't do a great job showing that, but they did actually did show it where there was that future where he's leading the Fremen to as a conqueror. Although in the book, they made it sound way cooler where he's like hopping from planet to planet, burning it down, yeah. you know? But how um, do we know that's different from the other ones? As far as I can see, mean? that's part of the same timeline. Oh, yeah. It, it, for, if I didn't know anything about the book, I would assume he's seeing more of the same future just further down the line or something like that and so this right. is in, what he's striving for kind of thing in the movie they made sure to show that future and then show how much he was like i can't let that happen but it doesn't show that he's choosing the other one then yeah because in the book they make it clear like he could either be a leader uh leading an army you know under the 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 hawk or he can be the messiah so it's either the jihad or the messiah which one do you want to go yeah um and in the movie, it's just like, don't be an asshole, is what his whole <laughs> thing is. And it's, it's, it's a lot clearer. And then another one where I think they actually did a pretty good job in the movie, where when he's about to fight and he sees it like, I'm stabbed, I'm dead. Okay, now back to the when the fight's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Make that not happen. 
So I think that was the best way possible to show that visually. How else would you have done that? I think it, maybe, I don't know. I think they need a, uh, we need to hear his thoughts. There's no way yeah. you can validate his power, his ability or utilize it without us being able to understand what he's thinking. And they do, I mean, obviously it's a book, so you're reading, it's all narrated, but to, you don't have to narrate anybody else's voice, just him and Jessica, when they use this ability and their Benny Jessert, you know, training. And to me, there's no way around it. I can't see a way that you could understand the depth of what he's thinking without hearing his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. There's about to be a scene pretty early on in the next movie where Cheney's going through a ritual that's, the best way to think of it is like the avatar the movie the ritual that they have at, at both the uh, tree it's kind of yeah. like that going on it's gonna be so hard to do in the film mm -hmm. because in the book it was fucking confusing like it was yeah. just like multiple things going on so how are you gonna show that i mean i, I don't i don't envy the director of this at all yeah it's so hard they don't have a choice with where they're at they're just gonna have to butcher it into something different that will look <laughs> good on screen yeah i think like some sort of potion she drinks and all of a sudden she's like I can see all the past now. And it's like, <laughs> uh, not quite. You know, right. it's not really how that works. Yeah. Okay. So story-wise, we'll talk about the ending separately, but story-wise, um, the story of the book, I think they actually did as good as they could do story-wise. Outside of his pow powers, mm -hmm. story-wise, I think they stuck to it a lot better than I think they, what I expected. I expected for them to brush through stuff a lot more than they actually did. But like him being attacked by the seeker in his bedroom i thought they wouldn't even bother showing that because not a lot came out of that yeah but they showed that and everything like that um and i think they kind of set up the relationship with his father pretty well maybe even better than they did in the book uh because they had such a really good actor for it so they're like okay let's make sure we really explain this well mm -hmm. what did you think about the story versus in the books yeah like you're saying i think it was it was on pace um uh, obviously they have to cut some stuff and, and move a little bit faster right. but yeah there there was just I think I think it did a pretty good job keeping up with the story. It still, to me, didn't. It was a puzzle that was missing too many pieces, so True. you don't get enough to appreciate what you're looking at. To me, but um, they kind of covered that up with really beautiful shots. So I think that that kind of filled in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I will. I do give them kudos. Of course, they were going to because it's going to be the eye candy. The battle that made House Trade like Harkonnens versus House Trades. Mm -hmm. was a lot more thought out in the movie than it was in the book. In the book, mm -hmm. it was like so rushed where all of a sudden, like they went to bed, they took their pills, they went to bed, and then all of a sudden in the middle of the night, like Paul's being rushed off. Yeah. And you didn't really see much of anything else. And so in the movie, you actually got a feeling of like people waking up and Gurney taking his men out to fight as much as they can. And, um, you know, Duncan Idaho, which breaks my heart mm -hmm. <laughs> that part. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, Duncan Idaho trying to make his escape and stuff like that. Let's talk about that. In the book, <laughs> I thought there's a chance for him to come back. Yeah. Did you think the same? Exactly. The way it was written, it was like, you know, he, he stayed behind to fight. But we know, you know, the, the classic story is the great noble warrior that stays behind to protect his people, you know, fighting till his final breath kind of thing will survive at, you know, the hair of a thread of his life left and then find a way to be recovered and come back in, in the, you know, the final scene or something. Uh, but no, yeah, we see it, they are very definitive in this that he just got straight stabbed and died. And uh, that, from sad. the book point of view, we should know that's the truth because first, what is first happening is from Paul's point of view, so we don't see him die, right? Because Paul's mm -hmm. rushed off. But by the end of the book, when he's telling Gurney that like, hey, yeah, Paul, um, you know, Duncan Idaho is dead. At that point, he is straight up like Paul Moadib. So he knows, yeah. <laughs> you know, that if he's dead or alive, he knows if anybody's dead or alive. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of definitive in the book. It's just the entire time I remember we're just come on, baby, yeah. <laughs> pop up somewhere with some Fremen, uh, somewhere that'd be really cool. Because Jason Momoa is such a freaking cool actter, and yeah, and Duncan Idaho, of course, is cool himself. But I am happy that we will see Gurney in the future. The movie again. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk about this part. It's definitely a part one, mm -hmm. so much so that I think it hurts the movie. I honestly, if it, if you're gonna have to do this. Make a miniseries. I think this would have been perfect. I know, like so you're mentioning, much better. yeah, you're mentioning there's the one in the early 2000s, which I I haven't seen, but it's a six part miniseries. I think, yeah. yeah, split this up. It could be, yeah, it could be done so much. Like you can have that that uh, scene where where they get attacked. That could be like the final scene of the first, you know, episode or or maybe second. Probably episode, like the third, even. Really, I mean, like you could, but you could really. There's like Paul being attacked in his chambers would probably be the end of the first episode. Yeah, yeah, with the you know. The little was a seeker. Seeker, 
Yeah. And but, then you yeah. open up with it. The second episode, you'd open up with them finding the guy like stuffed into a wall that was controlling it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, like it, it breaks down really good into a miniseries. I've seen a trailer for that one that was made in 2000. And yeah. it is like so sci-fi channel bad. <laughs> I almost want to watch it for how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to see what the sword fight looks like between um, Gurney and Paul in the beginning mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. You got to see what that looks like in the old 84 movie or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, before CGI existed, these guys are trying to do shields, and it's just funny. <laughs> they did a good job with shields in this movie, and I, I want to mention, when they had the shielded ships, and they were bombing them, mm-hmm. did you see how, like, the bomb would land on the ship, and then, like, just slowly... Sink rrr, into it, yeah. Sink did into it? it? That was pretty did the cool. same thing that the, um, the needle did when it tried to, like, when it eventually got to... Not Paul. Uh, Lado. Lado, yeah. But yeah, it does, like digs in. But I don't see, at least for the needle, there's no like propulsion behind it. So I wonder, does it get stuck into the shield until it finds a way through? Like what maintains? It must a, be designed to do that. Yeah. Yeah, like it maintains a force on it. But but they did a good job portraying their shield technology to be different from something that we've seen before. Because the way it's described, you know, you have to apply pressure over time. You know, it takes a, a second for it to get through, and you know, like air is filtered through your your force field that'll come in. Uh, but it doesn't look like what we're used to with just a, a bubble of energy around you. It yeah. looks kind of like it uses um, uh, like sound waves or you know echo impulses or whatever to combat whatever force you're putting against it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty pretty cool, pretty well depicted. Yeah. In in the book, some of the cool things they mentioned about the shield is like they, when him and in uh, Gurney are fighting. The shield are rubbing against each other, and that's creating like a, a chemical reaction mm-hmm. where he's actually starting to like kind of like suffocate from his shield, yeah. uh, which is something that. And they've made kind of a cool visual effect, but we know from the part two, shields are going to be essentially useless going forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be really used. I do like how that needle thing comes up again with Duncan Idaho, and he mm-hmm. sees it coming into him and he like knocks it away yeah. before it could get through his shield. Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, as long uh, as you know so where sad, it's at, you sad. should be able to defend against it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, more about that part one thing. When those roll, the credits rolled, I myself was like, I was. I remember I was checking my phone. I'm like, man, I know the runtime of this thing's two thirty. Is what Squeaks was saying. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna get much more of this story after this <laughs> fight. It's gonna be about it, and that's gonna be disappointing. Yeah. The sequel isn't even actually confirmed to be in production yet. They're still working on even starting the sequel. So we got another two years at minimum for the sequel to come out. That's gonna be tough. how unsatisfying is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I'm probably they're waiting to see how the sales go on this too. I might or the you know what the fans say, but um, I, I hope they. I, there's not a lot you can do to change it at this point, but but when Jessica has her upcoming scene that would be in the next one, they can use that as a point to unlock the uh, inner voice that she will then share with yeah. Paul because Paul has an awakening soon too. That, you know, let that be where they develop these greater abilities and pretend that they didn't really have more than just, you know, skilled training prior to this. And and then they become, you know, better, you know, supers or mutants or, you know, but I (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) higher telepathic abilities or whatever you'd call it, but something like that. Okay. That moment Mm -hmm. in the tent is a moment where Paul basically opens up everything because now he fully has the... That's another thing that is being depicted in the film, but might not be clear to those who haven't read the book. While he's out in the desert, he's actually breathing in the spice, and that activates his ability yeah. even more. So that's why he's like now seeing the future and stuff like that, instead of just being in his house. But when they're in that tent, what's depicted in the book and not in the movie is he's full on mm-hmm. activated now. He is now, you know, gonna be the Messiah. Basically, he's going down that path hard, hard now. Um, the movie, they did their best showing that. That's where he has that scene of like them conquering mm-hmm. in the future. It's harder to pick that. I understand that. But we had to kind of explain to them, like, to Squeaks and Daniel, like, hey, he's in the Avatar, Avatar state now. Like, he is full on. You know, he went from Jean Grey to the Phoenix at this point. Um, because otherwise, you would have yeah. known that. Uh, a little hard exactly. to show that you can't, off. <laughs> you can't visualize, you know, the depth of his brain expanding. Or his his control, his power that he feels, and his reach, you know, inside his mind. But it, that's one of those things that you have to have that that dialogue, that narrative, where you can hear his thoughts to really mm-hmm. validate what we're supposed to be seeing. Uh, and and you know, we're trying to go off the feedback we got from the other two guys, as two guys that have watched the movie mm-hmm. just raw, not knowing much of the story. And we filled them in a lot, and they they 
because they asked for it, not because we're just that annoying. I mean, we're a little yeah. bit annoying about like, did you see? <laughs> but, you know, Squeaks right away got the audio book and started listening to it overnight. And he only has two more hours <laughs> to go. That shows how much it mm-hmm. grabbed him. That's impressive. Comparing this to Lord of the Rings, which I, I can't help but do. Lord of the Rings had the same thing. It was a part one, basically, right? Fellowship of the Rings is kind of a part one of this grand story. This movie is going to be... So this movie and the next two movies, ideally this is going to be a trilogy, is going to be based off of two books, but the books are divided up into three parts, so it really it works out well. How did the Lord of the Rings finish their part one so much better than Dune finish their part one? Um, so at the end of the, the Fellowship of the Rings, Fellowship. they were all gathered at the elven uh, place, right? No. No, no, no. That was like halfway through the Fellowship oh. of the Rings. The end is where Boromir, spoiler alert, I guess for this, Boromir <laughs> dies after the Urukai attack them, and then they go off on their boats in a different oh, direction. Okay. With Sam and, and Frodo heading off towards Mount Doom. Yeah, that's true. I don't, it's been so long since I've seen any of those. I've been itching to watch <laughs> hey, those hey, too. We could, we could plan a, a watching party. Everyone get together and watch them all again. I had a lot of fun with you guys coming over, man. This is definitely happening. We're definitely making this a yeah. regular thing. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. Though, like you're saying, that, uh, and at the end of the Fellowship of the Rings, everybody is on their new path to, you know, continue their mission, and they each have different uh, yeah. journeys ahead of them, and it's kind of mapped out. Which we didn't. I don't think we really saw where most everybody was after this battle, right? Just Paul and yeah. Jessica. Yeah, we didn't we really see where else the Baron was out. Yeah, we know the Baron survived, but we don't know what his plans are. And at this point in the book is when he's like, okay, I have control, or, you know, Baron's leader of the Harkonnens guy, so you know. Um, I have control of Arrakis, and now my next step is to try to simulate what they, like, he's, he's got a lot of schemes that are not being shown yeah. at all, because they, they cut out one mm-hmm. of his nephews, actually, the most important nephew they cut yeah. out of the movie, so he's probably going to probably second one. leave him out, though, right? You, you think they'll just make beasts as I, do fade? Fade I think they'll cut out well. Fade's place altogether. His story, the whole battle, the results of the battle leave you back yeah. where if he wasn't there, right? I mean... The, the, the good argument with that is the fact that Beast dies like real kind of shittily in the book, to be honest with you. I didn't care for the way yeah. the Beast died. Knowing that he was going to be Dave Bautista yeah. in the movies, I was like, come on now, make it a cool fight. And like, no, he goes down pretty quick because it's all about Fade. Uh, uh, that, that's true. So You're probably like, right. Yeah. They'll probably combine the two because they did invest into a good actor for that character. Yeah, combine the two nephews yeah. into one story. Man, if you went into this Dune movie not knowing that it's part one and then just seeing like, they did Dave Bautista <laughs> wrong. He was right. barely in this movie for how good of a character, how good of an actor he is. I mean, I love him whenever yeah. he's in anything. There's a few things that are like that. I was like, wait, where the hell is Gurney now? <laughs> you know, because last we saw Gurney, he was fighting on the ba- fighting after Harkins yeah. attacked them. But in the books, at that point, you know that he he like basically sneaks in with a bunch of smugglers and now is working yeah. with smugglers, and and like has like a band of pirates it's, that he's working with now. That he that's another thing we didn't see anything about smugglers or pirates or really know the the guild yeah. or the structure, the you know background of of their economy and how it works. We barely got any of that. Yeah. Um, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the part two, which we'll, we'll throw out another spoiler alert. But before we do that, any other thoughts on the movie itself? Positive and negative. I, mean, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Because I know it's, it's hard to not be too, too negative <laughs> on this, but I am positive in the fact that like, like even online, this is getting a lot of mixed reviews where people are like, this is the next Lord of the Rings. This is the next Harry Potter. Everybody's so excited yeah. about this because it really opens up a really badass yeah. world. And I agree it does. But it's like when, you know, you read Lord of the Rings or (laughs) Game of Thrones, you're like, guys, yes, but there's so much more. That's (laughs) a good point. Uh, One thing I liked, I liked their technology. I liked how they showed the thumpers and stuff, but uh, they did a really good job at painting this as a beautiful picture to put on posters and make trailers and even probably a good movie for people who aren't into uh, sci-fi so much, don't want to really sink into a deep world. It's probably good for those people, and I hope for those that, that are interested and love sci-fi and want to sink into a world, this is just an invitation to go get the books. I hope this brings them in to I actually, so, yeah. you know, wow, this is a cool world, I wonder if there's more, and then, yeah, explore the books, because I loved reading that first book. I can't wait to get the second, you know, get into the second one. I already <laughs> ordered mine, man. It's on its way. <laughs> I got the book and the audio book. And we saw that in real times because Squeaks not only did he got the audiobook and listened mm-hmm. to it overnight, 
Daniel got yeah. the audio book too. And well, you know, he had me, he had a bunch of questions for me last night. I don't think he was night. interested in it at all before we sat down and watched this too. So that's, that's a big plus. Oh yeah. He wasn't interested in it yeah. while we were watching it. Cause remember how he was like, guys, if you guys weren't here, I would be done watching this movie already. The beginning is very much like, yeah. it's very slow. It's and very much the book, you're, you're, you're learning so much. There's such good fine detail. Yeah. The names yeah, and, and the nuances and the politics and stuff like that. So it's interesting enough to really keep your attention. Like I mentioned before that dinner party in the beginning, I really liked how well they did that. So it, it kind of gave you, you know, there's, there was hooks to keep you going. Um, but yeah, in the, in yeah. the movie, they're trying to kind of build this world real quick and it's hard to keep your attention in the story. They do it visually with really good shots and scenes, but in the, the details of the story were kind of hard to be interesting for a setup movie like this. Yeah, uh, for pros on my side, I will say, yeah, a lot of really beautiful setup. They did an excellent job creating the world mm. of Dune. The planet of Arrakis is so gorgeous. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a desert planet. How do you make that thing look gorgeous? They, it, they really did. They filmed this mm. in Jordan and did a wonderful job. I'm excited because I haven't looked into it too much. I know the word jihad is from there, but um, a lot of the imagery from Dune is supposed to be from the Middle Eastern cultures, which in the West, we don't get a lot of that stuff. You know, we know about knights and kings and all this stuff from europe so this is all supposed to be like based off of middle eastern cultures like the moadib and stuff like all those references are from that so it would be cool to expand mm -hmm. that and i need to look into like how exactly it all connects i i'm i'm excited for the world that's built and the next couple films and there's a series in the works yeah. now too that's going to be more about house of Trades. i i love nerding out about stuff and we got that <laughs> coming up like it's 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 here uh what do you look forward the downside is, is of course, it's so much better yeah. in the book. And we could expect that. We knew that coming in. We knew yeah. it was going to be that. What, yeah. what do you see is going to come into the next, next movie, if they, if they get it green-lighted, uh, that you were most excited about? Okay, so yeah, let's, so we're going to do another spoiler alert. Okay, we'll talk about basically the last third of the book and yeah. the next movie. All right. I can't wait to see who they cast for Princess mm -hmm. Aralon and yeah. the Emperor. And seeing... Seeing Paul as a leader of the Fremen mm -hmm. is going to be so cool. I, I want to see how they're going to do that because, I mean, they, they purposely got Timothy Chalamet because he is kind of like this very youthful looking guy because in the book he's 15, but then he becomes 17 very quickly. We know that. Mm -hmm. But he's very youthful and yet House of Trade is leader yeah. and then eventually <laughs> Fremen leader. Yeah. So it was really tricky. Um, what I, it, so I, I look forward to him becoming the Messiah and the Conqueror in one because that's kind of what we're seeing at the end of book one right yeah where he really kind of leans on both sides pretty he well he has to quickly mature what, it seems like yeah. yeah what are you looking forward to out of this next I'm, one? i'm excited to see the fremen and their the you know behind the curtain yeah. their culture and everything because all we see in this first movie is they're still they're just kind of like these wild nomad people that live in the desert and there's only a handful of them we don't have to worry about them yeah they're probably just gonna die in the sun anyways and yet from the book, we know, oh no, once, they, once Jessica and Paul get accepted in there, it's this huge thriving, you know, villages or, or yeah. uh, CHs uh, underground and they actually have uh, springs of water or uh, holds of water that they're saving for changing the planet and all that stuff. Uh, the, their methods, their technology for reclaiming the water. Like, I hope they really oh, yeah. get in, you know, deep and explain and show that kind of stuff because it's one of the cooler things to me is, is their... They're, you know, behind the scenes in their towns. I do like in the movie. So they, they mentioned like, oh, yeah, we see some like plant life amongst the Fremen. Mm -hmm. And they do have a technology they're using. And what it is, is, like the Fremen are putting these like moisture collectors where when the dew comes off of a plant, it feeds the plant and stuff like that. All kinds of cool stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to hit a little point out of the thing where, uh, OK, so Paul ends up having he has like multiple names, right? Moadib is kind of a big one. And Uso is his name amongst the Fremen. Like they, mm -hmm. they have like an internal name. That's Uso. And then he has Moabdib is basically like their name as for Messiah. Um, but he picks that name. And, and it's the name that they use for him in front of others. So when he's got the projection going on that talks about the plant life, he sees a little, is that a rabbit or a little mouse? That he it's sees like a mouse, projection? yeah. I think it's a, it is the mouse, okay. And then oh, when he pops out and his mom and... No, that's, I, I, I couldn't tell. Like you're saying, the projection with the trees, the branches and stuff. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell if that was a rabbit or a mouse, but later he does for sure see the mouse that like cleans the dew yeah. from his ears and reclaims it. I think that must have been a mouse because it's too important that it's a mouse. Yeah, you know? okay. Moadib, the name that he picks for himself is the Fremen word for mouse. He picks it because he wants, he's like, what's the name for a mouse? Because he sees the mice, he likes them. 
And I do like how they made sure to show like it's cleaning the dew off. It's like reclaiming its own water yeah. as the as the still suits do. They did not explain that at all oh, about the yeah. still suits. And that's such a big... So <laughs> what they didn't show is the, the dangers of trying to live on the planet. They didn't make the planet. They it, didn't it's enough, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to you know Cancun. I'm just going to be on the beach. Like You think just being in the sun on sand is the challenge. No, you're dying yeah. because there's no water. The air is dry. They literally reclaim the moisture from your blood to you know supply their people. And they just, they didn't put any kind of weight or gravity into that. Now, that being said, we haven't been brought behind the curtain. We aren't with the Fremen yet. In the yeah. movie they were doing, or in the, sorry, in the book, they were doing both at the same time. Some people were seeing right. into the Fremen while others weren't. So I think they're waiting to show us all that till later. But there's, there's a lot there. Like we really, the, the, just the still suits alone when they explain that, they explain that early on in the book. Um, it shows you how important it is to maintain your water and think based around you your whole day is revolved around how i'm going to stay hydrated enough to survive their wedding rings is basically like a, a necklace of water that the man like has the wife carrying mm -hmm. for the family like that shows how important it is it's like i bind myself to you because you carry my water yeah. like it's that you know to show how important it is and there's a one part in the movie in the beginning where they're like getting into the thopter and they're like oh let's close this up this heat will kill you and it's like yes can you explain more about that though they, yeah the heat will kill you yeah. it's you're not in arizona right <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah there's that the sweat you're sweating right now is a privilege because <laughs> they're walking around they do that a lot actually they walked around in like gowns and stuff like that when they're in the palace and stuff mm -hmm. like that and in the book we know like the idea that the palace doesn't have airlock seals is like them a way to show the fragment that like we're better yeah, than they're you flaunt, water. flaunting their luxurious wealth flaunting. yeah same thing with those trees. Those trees they did mention, but the trees is basically a way to say, like, we have power because we can afford to have trees. Yeah, we, we control water. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, going forward, we're going to see... Let's kind of explain what we're going to see forward for those who want the spoilers yeah. to kind of understand where this is going. Because I think it's important to understand how important everybody really is going to be. Mm -hmm. First off, Jessica is pregnant. They didn't mention that at all. Although Daniel did call it out <laughs> early on. I was impressed by that. Yeah, She's pregnant with, with Duke Leto's uh, daughter mm -hmm. um she's about to go through a thing to become what, what what's it called a gaiadina or sayadina yeah she's gonna be sayadina yeah like a um i used another word for it yesterday too like a priestess for them pretty much priestess yeah almost like pope level for them yeah. like she's gonna be the top sayadina yeah. so in that process she takes on the multiple lives of the sayadinas before her think of it as how the avatar they thinks. also call her the high mother I remember the questioning is, the high is, she, is she speaking now as a mother or as the high mother? So, yeah. yeah. So think of it though, like in Avatar The Last Airbender, how he's able to access all the past avatars. Mm -hmm. That's what her newfound ability will be. Mm -hmm. She'll have access to the past completely through the Sayadinas. During this process, a very cool situation happens. She's pregnant. They did not know that when they begin the process because mm -hmm. they basically bring up the old Sayadina. Next turn is like, all right, that one's going to die and go inside yeah. you now. You plug, with all of her you memories. You plug in brains and upload all the data from the previous ones, <laughs> kind of, yeah. spiritually. During this process, the old side, is like, we did not know you were pregnant. This is going to be a tricky situation. Yeah. And so the daughter is born with also all the past lives of the side, as well, making her a badass, yeah. <laughs> if I must like say. Like a little two-year-old, you know, prophet that has seen... Yeah, all the past and uh, and the future too, yeah. right? Doesn't she? Don't they? Yeah. They could kind of, yeah. They but that's more of the Bene Gesserit side. Of oh, it. they kind of spot the future a little bit, but she definitely knows all the past. Yeah. There, are, she's a two-year-old that like ha goes and spies for Jessica all the time, mm -hmm. and kind of creeps people out because she knows about other worlds. Like, oh yeah, you look like Danny from this other world. It's like you've never left this planet or this village. Yeah, you're only two. How do you know who? How do you speak, yeah. let alone, you know, you speak like a grown adult <laughs> that is manipulating people? <laughs> one of my absolute, I mean, I'm driving around cheering in my car when I'm listening <laughs> to the final few chapters. Yeah. One of my absolute favorite things is when she's brought, um, God, and Duke's, or uh, Paul's son. We haven't mentioned that at yeah. all, but oh my God, it's such a heartbreaker. Yeah. So, but when the, when the sister, when Paul's sister comes in front of the emperor and uh, is all like, God, how, how does she say it? She says something like, Oh, you know, how important are you? Why can you talk or whatever? And blah, 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 blah. And she looks over at the, the 
the mother, the one that gave Paul the test in the very beginning, is like, she knows. Yeah. She knows who I am. And she's like, kill this thing with fire. <laughs> to the two year Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and then later on when she's like threatening the 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 emperor, his two year old again is threatening the emperor. Uh, and he's like, well, what if I just uh attack Dune and blow up the planet or whatever? And then she looks over at the guild members like, they won't let you do that. <laughs> and she knows more than the emperor right. does. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be good. Yeah. Um, the, the guild has got so much more explored with the guild and how cool they are. Yeah. So uh, that's the kind of stuff I thought we would have had in this first one too with the setups. I don't know if they're going to even really explain the guild in the second movie or not. Yeah. Yeah. And without the guild, they didn't mention the fact that without the guild, there wouldn't be interplanetary travel. And Eva Paul like threatens like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it would be humans being able to develop on each of their planets. Yeah. So, um, what else are you looking forward to? You know, story-wise, we, so basically we have Jessica and the daughter. What about Paul's story? Um, was he coming up? can't remember now. <laughs> Just finished the book. Uh, where he goes right after this, he has his inheritance. Oh, he has... So, I don't remember how... I don't think they'll do the inheritance part, just for the sake of making it easy. Yeah, that's true. That's something easy, easy to cut out. Um, Although they did show the coffee being made. I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he does have like a further uh, awakening soon, right? Where he takes on more more abilities. I don't remember how that how that was done, though. Yeah, he... he um, Oh, gosh, what is it? He like eats a plant or something. There's a that's thing he what, does, basically. The, the like, poison, the, the water of life. Water of life, yeah, there it is. Yeah, that Jessica um, has to take to to become the high priestess or whatever. He yeah. takes it, and it's fatal to anybody that doesn't convert the poison into it, something else. And yeah, yeah. so he, but since he survives, that's all of another a sudden, ability of his. Actually, yeah. I forgot about that. He's able to change the molecules in his body. Yeah, right. oh, <laughs> that's so crazy. Because later on, when he's in a fight against he poison, he's like, "I'll just change these poison molecules." Then, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, because yeah, that's like a big, a big weapon in in their culture or whatever is. You know, if you're going to kill somebody, yeah. you don't just shoot them or stab them. You poison them to kill them. A lot of poison. It's weird. Yeah. Even Leto is killed and uses poison, actually, now that we think about it with a tooth. Yeah. They didn't do it. That's another thing. They did not show the... Oh, God, it killed me. Because we see the Doctor here and there, and it's like, from our point of view as a book reader, we know the Doctor's betraying them while he's treating them. Yeah. Like, he knows that he has to betray them. So the entire time the Doctor's with them, he's just like, oh, man, I really love Paul. I don't want to kill yeah. him. Yeah. And he's like all this regret every time he's helping the family that he's his entire life has helped the family. Yeah. And in the movie, it's just like, oh, you know, oh, the, the doctor seems kind of odd in the room or whatever. But it's like he's wrestling with so much because he knows he's about to kill the yeah, family. Yeah, something that you couldn't That's really tough. explore unless you had a lot more time, like if they made this into a, a miniseries instead. Yeah. But they would make so much money. I mean, like, I'll pay whatever it takes. Just explain the story more in better detail. Yeah. But yeah, because Yui so, was a good character. I like how they did that in the books where it shows. And they, did they even explain, well, they briefly touched on his wife, uh, that she yeah. was supposed to be freed before he d dies, but, uh, the, he wrestles with that back and forth, like you're saying previously, um, and like he's, he's betraying Leto, he's using Leto as a weapon against the Harkonnen, uh, Baron, but he wants to make sure in this process that Leto's family is still taken care of and safe. Like that's his, his yeah. big you know, one of his big goals. And it's just not, it's not very clear. He, the little note gets out. It's not out. shown well. Yeah. That give, making sure that Paul gets that ring is like making sure that there will still be an Atreides. Line. Exactly. You know, without that ring, it really means nothing that you're a Atreides. It's that ring that shows like, I am the next Duke that owns this planet. Yeah. And we, we don't see the Baron get upset that he didn't get the ring. That was kind of a big deal too. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, who has it? it? Where did it go? And he's like, oh, he wasn't on him when I found him. And it's like, no, he would not have that ring on his hand if he was a living, you know, Duke. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, so we see him basically go through this thing, which basically confirms that, yes, I am the next in line or the, the, it's so hard because everybody has their own motives, mm -hmm. but the Benny Jesser motive, motive, yes, he is the one that's the, the Benny Jesser have been looking for yeah. their version of Messiah as well, yeah. which theirs is a little bit more about eugenics, which is why they're not really, they're not good people either. No, you know, <laughs> um, there's a bunch of bad people in this too. And then, yeah, we're going to see him basically unite the Fremen mm -hmm. and, advance them greatly yeah. like he advances their technology you see it in that that glimpse of the future where in the movie where they're fighting mm -hmm. and they're all well wearing like this white and gold armor yeah. and that's like two years guys that's like two years of him living with a friend and they upgrade to that so it kind of shows you what they're rocking looks like they've just been collecting the sardaukar armor as they kill him <laughs> it looks like it, it looks yeah like and 
they're fighting Sardaukar in that fight too, which means they're actually fighting the Emperor's yeah. men, which we know they are actually. So um, we know that. I don't think they explain that in the in the movie, right? We had to explain that to Squeaks and Daniel. Yeah. They did uh, not explain that very well. There was a moment where they're on the planet, um, and saying like, "Oh yeah, we're the Sardaukar," and it's like when the when the, when they're fighting the Harkonnens on the steps. I remember that was the part. They're fighting the Harkonnens on the steps, and then you see the Sardaukar come down because they like they could, you know, float down. Yeah. And we're like, it's important to understand. That's evidence that the Emperor's involved in this attack, not just the Harkonnens. Yeah. Which means that he's he put the the Leto Leto's family here to die. Yeah, and the, they know? touched on that too, that he was put there to weaken him because they're too powerful and stuff, but they didn't explain it clear enough that I think anybody would really grasp that that's how yeah. you know. And uh um uh Piter, like he's a cool character. I mean a, a wicked terrible character, but they didn't really yeah. <laughs> they didn't really explain much of him. They we see him. We don't understand his position, why he is the way he is, how the the is it Mentats are. Mentats. Nothing. They didn't mention what the Mentats are doing. They're at just all. weird people that the roll back their, their eyes. Their eyes go white. Yeah. yeah. Oh, their eyes go white. Come it's like, well, it's because they're doing computer calculations in their yeah. head. Like, it's important to understand that they're the replacement of computers in the future. It's so, just so much yeah. that's missed. But I mean, as long as they can, and there's compile yeah. it into a watchable movie. Ugh. But I just feel like they they cut out too much important stuff cut out some of the fat don't don't have flashbacks or flash forwards to see your future girlfriend you know every 10 minutes like spend some of this scenic time having a narration of important details in the background you could have the flash forwards to cheney were a waste of time it was just so that zendaya could be in the movie yeah and you can but it was really kind of a kinds would have been a great one to be narrating some things explaining the fremen culture and stuff like that or or the harkonnens even explaining from their perspective of you know certain things living on that world but they just didn't take advantage of that it's kind of sad explain the emperor too more because i think it's important to think of the emperor kind of like president snow from hunger games yeah like they're the ones that are in charge of the wealthiest people Mm -hmm. but the wealthiest people are in charge of the wealthiest people right it's just that he's the leader of yeah so if the wealthiest people get pissed off enough they'll just replace you so the emperor has that kind of loose hold on the situation mm-hmm. they do fear that his his uh sardaukar which are his elite forces but that's it yeah and the thing that's happening they mention it like in one little line but it's so important duke leto's men are trained by duncan idaho and and uh, gurney mm-hmm. so well that they are now almost as good as the sardaukar mm-hmm. we see them fighting them quite well we see duncan idaho rip them to pieces yeah. um so there's like that's a threat plus the other great houses, like the bigger, wealthier houses, are starting to look to Leto for leadership. Yeah. Like they're actually like looking for him to advise. And he mentions it like the other great houses look to us for leadership. Explore that because it's super <laughs> important to understand yes. that if Leto clicked his fingers, he would have the army size to take out the emperor. Yeah. And that's why the emperor is setting this mm-hmm. up. You know, and it's just not really referenced well. Yeah. And <laughs> of course, it's not. and they do barely at one point mention that. Uh, the only way they could take, they could uh, defeat the emperor, would be if all the houses came together. But it's like, yeah. like you say, explain that better, make it more clear that you know why would you need to do that, and is that why you're being placed on this planet? Yeah, you know, just right. leaves a lot of kind of holes that we see it obviously because we know the full picture, full picture, so we see the holes in between it. But somebody else not knowing wouldn't care, and they would just, I think, lose interest because there's so much stuff that doesn't, you know, fit together. I think. Yeah. So just before we head out, like what to expect from Paul in the, in the next, in the rest of this book and in the next movie, which should be about the first half of the next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul will gather the Fremen, take it to, take it to war, mm-hmm. take on the Harkonnens and the Emperors and bring it right to the Emperor's door. We won't go any further than that. I won't tell you any more than that because I don't want to necessarily ruin the very ending, mm-hmm. but Paul becomes like the perfect leader. And we do see glimpses of him being a little too aggressive. Still guard starts to notice that he's starting to, become his grandfather's he, he there's oh god that's such a good line like oh you fought your father's son like right now you're more your grandfather's yeah. son and it's like ooh, that's they, good maybe they'll touch on that later too but yeah the, anybody that just watched the movie doesn't have any clue that that his mother is actually the baron harkonnen's uh daughter, daughter. yeah so he's he's harkonnen and uh, atreides they barely reference that in the books though too because it surprised me again yeah. <laughs> towards the end i was like oh that's right it's cool though because when they talk about eugenics yeah, but, and stuff too you're like wow there's really noble people and he's really like shitty hostile like aggressive people and it's like well actually our messiah has to be a combination of the good and the bad and it's like oh dang that's cool (laughs) so he's part of trade he's part harkin and he's the perfect and he embraces the fremen it's he's like literally the perfect combination of everything um 
All right. So I hope that that last hour of ranting about a movie slash book was useful to you guys. Um, if you have any questions about Dune, let us know. Obviously, me and John are huge fans, yeah. and we're going to be going through Messiah. When do you plan on... I, I don't want to do it right away myself. What about you? When do you plan on going through the next book? Uh, yeah, I'll probably wait a couple weeks before I start it. But I might wait like like six months so that I kind of cool down, and then as I start to hear news about the next movie, start to build back up. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be so long before the next movie comes out, and we've already see, yeah. we've already read half of the next movie. So, yeah, just whenever you're ready to read it, I'll, I'll start at the same time as you. Okay. That'd be cool. Uh, let's drop a grade on this, Jalen. Um, and I want you to drop a grade as, as a book reader and one as just a movie by itself. Okay. Um, so go ahead. That's hard to do. It's hard to differentiate. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't want people to think I hated this movie. It was, it was a, a good movie on its own. Uh, I just I hated that it could have been so much more than it was. Uh, and I, I'm afraid that people that didn't read the book don't, will, will grade it lower because, they didn't understand it, but there's more to be understood. Anyways, um, as a book reader, I'm going to give it a D plus, C minus. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because cause there's so much from the book that's not in it that is important. Cut out all the fat. I get it. It is important, there, right? There's a lot you can cut out that you don't need. Uh, like we're saying, the inheritance part coming up and uh, the, the seeker probably could have been cut out. Some things like that. But there's a lot that, that was pretty pivotal and story building and, and world building that we didn't get to see. So I'd say, I'll say a C minus, not let's say C minus, but then as a regular, you know, audience member who's never seen it before, I'd give it maybe a solid B just because if you don't care about the depth of the story, the visual effects are fantastic. It looks really clean, you know, and great actors and stuff like that. So it's, it's a good movie for people who don't know the book and don't care about the depth of the story. So much I can. Yeah. I mean, you definitely got it. Um, okay, so I give it, as a book reader, I give it a B mm -hmm. because I actually think that they showed as much as they could do. I mean, it's really hard to show thought process yeah, in a Sherlock movie. Holmes, I don't think they I, could I say it over and over. They did a good... Oh, you did. You They did it, a actually. good job yeah, in go Sherlock Holmes where they slow everything down and he's analyzing the situation. I really wish they did that with Jessica and Paul. Yeah. That would have been perfect, actually. You're 100% right. Yeah, that... Kind of cheap Sherlock Holmes movie, which are really fun to watch. <laughs> that nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what Paul's mind is like. Um, I give it a solid B. And then a movie by itself, I actually give it like a B minus mm. because of that That ending was so dropped off of nowhere. And I think the reason Lord of the Rings did better with Fellowship is because they had a big final battle and somebody died in that final battle and it was more defined. The finale for this, for the first movie, was... Just a one-on-one -on -one fight, and we didn't see that Paul advanced at all. I mean, yeah. he met Chaney, but... And by the way, they're going to call her Chani in the movies. In the book, is Chaney. Mm -hmm. But in the movies, they're calling her Chani. But even that was kind of like, eh, it's okay, you know? And in the book, she's not that special until the two-year jump, when they're actually like, have a kid. She's been training in his fighting ways, which all the Fremen do. All the Fremen learn how to fight like him, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, another thing in the movie, they don't explain the reason they're so good at fighting is because they can kind of predict the future. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the reason that they're like oh this is bullshit you guys are cheating you guys know the weirding ways because like yeah i know when you're about to stab me because i could see it coming <laughs> and they didn't really explain that too well but it, whatever you know it's whatever they can only do so much so i give b for the as a book reader b minus as just a movie so mine's actually kind of the opposite yeah yeah okay yeah looking at some other reviews just kind of give you guys an idea for others imdb i'll just pull them up while you're talking imdb gave it a b rotten tomatoes a b they're both at 83 so almost like a b minus Metacritic gave it a C, 75%. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is the one that usually people go with. Um, for theirs, I like IMDb's best myself. Uh, let's see. Audience score-wise, so that was critics-wise. Audience score, 91%, so A-. minus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, it was enough to grab Squeaks yeah. again. And Daniel, too. Daniel's been asking me a lot of questions about it. And Squeaks all morning, we've been getting texts. <laughs> it's like, so wait, who's this guy that he finds that used to work with his dad? It's like, that's Grinny. He's this guy that does. Yeah. For, for the yeah. longest time in reading the book, I didn't trust Gurney. I thought he was going to turn on the family. And so it's kind of, I mean, he's a, he's a really cool character. Yeah. They are, they're all. For me, that was, that was Howard. I always thought Howard was going to turn on him. Oh, yeah. Dude for Howard, the computer. Yeah. Or the Mintat. I thought he was going to turn on him. But he ends up, I mean... Atreides stays strong. One moment that's not in the fucking... Oh, man, sorry. Not to, one, movie, one of my favorite moments that's not in the movie, because it will definitely be in part two, is when Fade Rotha is doing that like arena battle, mm -hmm. 
and he normally would like fight a slave and kill him and it's almost like just procedural yeah. and a guy comes out and he's wearing that like, green tunic and with he like cuts himself cuts himself on the wrist or his arm and paints on a hawk saying i'm a trades bitch yeah. <laughs> like i am here to really fight I was like, oh, that's so cool. Now, if we're wrong about them combining the two nephews' storylines, they might completely cut out that entire battle scene. Or they'll make a Dave Batista that does Yeah, I'm saying if, if, if they don't combine the two, if Dave Batista had oh, already died earlier. Yeah. Mm. I can't imagine them doing that. Yeah. Dave Batista's too, too big of a character. Yeah. And Dave Batista would look cool in that final, in that arena scene. Yeah, and that would be a good, good opportunity to make more eye candy, really, that battle. Yeah. Any more of those? All right, guys. Well, that is it for us. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know what you guys thought about Dune. Uh, we have another special coming up, actually. So next week, again, we're going to have no news, but those will be on our TikTok. I promise. I'm at a point in the remodel where I could stop and make more TikTok videos. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll be talking about uh, Halloween. We have Halloween movie, <laughs> stories coming up, guys, with spooky sounds and all that cool stuff. So see you guys on the 31st. All right. Bye. Hey y'all, before we head out, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Good Evening Kitties Podcast. Excellent name. What a great podcast. I can't suggest them enough. They review every, I'm talking every, Tales from the Crypt episode and movie with bonus horror movie reviews for fun. Just tossed in there. You guys can follow them over on Twitter at G-E-K Podcast and find their episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and more. This is a really great podcast to start listening to on our lead up to uh, Halloween. Go check them out, guys. Can't suggest them enough. And also drop them a review. It always helps.